Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on The Other Side. Inspired by our Leprechaun episode, we share some goblin videos that allegedly capture tiny humanoids on camera. Bullshit or believe it? Plus, we continue our season-long recap of every episode of Expedition Bigfoot Season 2 with our good buddy Bryce Johnson. To subscribe to The Other Side, go to patreon.com slash Club. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. Hey, boys. How are you? Good, man. What's cracking? Oh, not much. Real quick, before we bring in today's guest, anything spooky this week happened to anybody? (laughs) <laughs> i mean we haven't checked in in a while any new yeah. weird stuff bryce you always have conversations with entities in your backyard anything yeah. new this week i'm trying to think no i'm pretty pretty clean this week i did uh scout a location for something we're going to shoot at that i can't disclose but it's an old theater in la and i was told by the guy touring us around there that it is definitely haunted of and, course yeah just like <laughs> what I, old like, theater isn't <laughs> right yeah and like i mean this place i wish i at some point i'll be able to talk about it but it is so unbelievably creepy like there was a room that was like the children's room that was off the oh, old yeah. women's restroom this was probably built in like the, the 20s maybe 10s or 20s and it was just it was painted like a creepy circus <laughs> and there was just this mural of like terrifying oh, clowns. And I was just like, this has got to be the spookiest if room I've any, ever been in. If there's anything in common, it's children's murals. Uh, and that goes for anywhere. Theaters, museums, basements. You see a children's yeah. mural, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So you know, I, I didn't see murals. anything. Nothing particularly happened. But We don't enjoy you. Please leave. We don't need yeah, a, just stop. <laughs> we don't need a jungle scene or a circus scene. No. Kids will enjoy yeah, the art kids, when they grow up. The kids up. don't care. Yeah, yeah they, they don't need it. Slap some they color on don't. the wall. It's fine. 
They Put never some polka get the dots eyes up right. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They oh, just creepy cold, animals. Those clown eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Nobody needs that. Uh, I guess I've everything's been normal for me. I've been having vivid dreams lately, and I almost choked on my mouth guard last night. But other than that, I'm fine. There's no <laughs> shadow people or anything. Uh, we yeah, won't I, even follow up on that, bro. I yeah, actually had it. Actually, there. Bryce, I had a dream that I was babysitting the kid, your kids, and baby. Oh, really? Oh, and wow. baby was jumping up. Baby is Bryce's French bulldog. And baby was jumping to the top of the fridge and she kept opening water coolers that were mm. like spilling all over the floor. And I couldn't breathe. And I woke up and I was like gagging on my mouth guard because <laughs> I <laughs> grind my teeth. <laughs> uh, so that's I'm gonna very have to go weird. To the old dream book for that one. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> stressful, stressful dream. All right. Before we get started uh, and bring in our guys, we have an amazing guest. It's punishing and cruel to you guys that were making her wait this long <laughs> do us a quick favor go to do apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review if you do we will read it here on the air like this one incredibly interesting and fun from toes 1961 five stars absolutely love this podcast it's informative entertaining and just plain fun oh thank you you beautiful foot fetish thanks toes <laughs> We really appreciate it. Uh, guys, do the, throw, us, throw us that bone. It helps uh, listeners like you who found this and went, hey, well, I didn't know I liked this show. Who? How come no, nobody ever told me about it? Go do that, and then you'll find out about it, okay? Thank you. All right. Well, um, today's guest, I didn't even have to look up their IMDb. <laughs> no. uh, I mean, we have a genuine movie star, first of all. <laughs> Jurassic World, heard of it. The wrong Missy, seen it? I have. I just yeah. watched it this weekend. It's great. She steals the show in it. She's got podcasts like Freedom. She's got podcasts like Newcomers. Uh, Club Scouts of America and the World, please welcome to BCC for the first time, Miss Lauren Labkiss. Hi. Woo. I did. I did say Ms., but it sounded like Miss. I just want to clarify that because I. Have oh a, well, whatever. Um, I am married, so I well, guess I'm Mrs. Sorry, boys. <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm taken. Um, I'm so happy to be here. That was a great intro, and I really loved the visual that I had in my mind of you choking on your mouth guard oh, last night. It was <laughs> brutal, <It's not> pleasant. <laughs> I, I I wake up like that so much where I'm just like doing something disgusting and in my. <laughs> actually i oh that reminds me i had a really scary dream last night oh and i was gasping for air in my dream trying to to speak and i couldn't speak and i i woke up saying what are you doing because i was trying to get it out and i, and I could tell from the way i said it that i had been trying to say it like what like, oh that's like it, the worst oh my god it was so scary i don't like that do you remember what the dream was about Right now, I don't. It was like there was someone really scary who was who was there, and I, I mean, cool, cool story, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's I all mean. we need. We get it. I was honestly just—it was one of those things where it just took a turn, and it was just the scariest dream ever. And then I, I have a, had a lot of dreams in my life where I'm struggling to scream. Um, oh, and yeah, that was one of them. It was horrible. Trying to scream. And then I haven't had one of these in a long time, uh, but I had them all the time as a kid where you try to run and you were <gasps> yes. running in slow motion. Oh, yeah. It's the worst. Why is that? a lot that? of those, too. Why can't you feel like it should be the opposite where like in a dream you can do anything. And that's the yeah. thing is like when, 
Bryce talks about lucid dreaming. I'm like, as soon as I realize I'm doing something, as soon as I realize I'm in a good dream, I wake up. But as soon as I realize I'm in a nightmare, You're I'm trapped stuck. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I've heard about lucid dreaming and I've never achieved it or tried, I guess, but it seems like it it is all positive because you're like choosing to do everything. Oh yeah. So- it's amazing. You're only limited as by your imagination. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. And uh, you know, and, and it, I've also read and heard that it can affect the, the real physical world. I was reading about this, this famous uh, psychic Thomas green and how he would, he was like before Yuri Geller bending spoons and he had went through most of his wife's cutlery and he finally wanted to like get into her nice silver. And she's like, no, and he was so pissed that in, in his dream that night, he went into her cutlery and 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 remembers like trying to just like throw uh, her nice silverware uh, out into some space field. And when he woke up, she was like, what did you do? And he's like, what? He's like, oh, shit. All 160 pieces of her silverware were bent from just <gasps> him doing it in his dream. What? Yeah. Crazy I- shit. Bryce, I really have to be honest with you. I don't believe a single story you tell me about your I don't believe one of these stories. Well, you're just going to have to read the book now, aren't you? By I'm going to believe Geller. that one. I feel pretty confident that Thank that you, happened. Lauren. I appreciate it. I mean, I think that's very cool. I hope it's true. But, but yeah, no, next, actually, that's next, next level, level way shit. of arguing with your spouse. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. you're, like, you're like, oh, you're going to piss me off? Just wait till I go to sleep. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, see we'll see. Then. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, lucid dreaming. I've done it. I've done it uh, quite often, and it's pretty, pretty amazing, man. And you know, there have been research done by scientists that that say you know you can communicate with other lucid dreamers in, in the dream world and and remember it. And you know, so <gasps> you can you like can? actually meet up in the dream world, which I've always been sort of fascinated by. Oh my god, that's cool. Yeah. We still need to have our lucid dream date, Bryce. We haven't I know. achieved it we yet. We got to meet up. We got to meet up, dude. Did you ever have a friend that you wanted to meet up with in a dream, Lauren? <laughs> um, no. Um, I mean, I guess I would be happy to meet up with anyone. I, it's always kind of fun when you have a vivid dream about somebody, but I feel like more often it's more like you'd want to see someone who's died like in a dream. Mm, yes. but, and when that's happened, I feel like it feels real like it it feels like something happened yeah i've thought about that too and it it, uh, this look i I don't want to bring anybody down Uh, nobody needs to hear more about my dead bulldog (laughs) look no one needs to hear more about i'll be my dead dead bulldog on this podcast i'm sorry i'm still grieving it happened in may it's been so hard but I got to say, guys, like I haven't told you guys this and certainly haven't told Lauren. Uh, he's been really sh- like once a week now, like I'll be showing up in my dreams. Right. Hmm. And there are some wow. that I feel like, oh, I think this is a dream. And then there are some where I'm like, I feel like he's really here, you know, but it has made me start to really pay attention and go. It, it, are some of these visitations and some of these just me dreaming about him like I dreamt about baby last night uh bryce's dog um or or is it just like am am i just like is my memory of him so fucking good you know that i can just my brain is so good at recreating him in that in that space yeah i don't know man i mean which one do you want it to be well i want it to visit me for sure well then that's what it is that's what it is exactly (laughs) this is an observer created world buddy well that's pretty much true 
Um, okay, we got to get into Lauren's personal paranormal history. But first, Riley, I believe Bryce has some... Perfect. Wow. Guys, all right. scientists <laughs> want to send 7 million jizz to the moon. <laughs> Wait, time out. Yes. 7 million jizz or jizz well, I added the word jizz. It's scientists want to send 6.7 <laughs> million sperm samples to the moon, as reported in the New York Post by Hannah Sparks. Scientists have begun to lay plans for repopulation, starting with a sperm bank on the moon in what they're calling a modern global insurance policy. Mechanical engineers have proposed that humans establish a repository of reproductive cells, sperm, and ova from 6.7 million of Earth's species, including humans. And the proposed bank, or ARC, would be beneath the moon's surface. As our planet faces natural disasters, drought, asteroids, and the potential for nuclear war, to name a few troubles, scientists say that humans must set their sights on space travel to preserve life as we know it. Quote, Earth is naturally a volatile environment, said study author Jikan Thanga, whose team at the University of Arizona submitted their report, Lunar Pits and Lava Tubes for a Modern Arc, at the annual Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers Aerospace Conference on Saturday. Due to the planet's instability, he said, an Earth-based repository would leave specimens vulnerable. As such, Thanga proposed jumpstarting a planetary exodus of sorts by founding a human seed vault on the moon. Ugh. Human seed vault. Is that another uh, name for the B- BJ and the Shadow no. Bats album? No. no. Pass. Yeah. Pass on human seed vault. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would store reproductive cells in recently discovered lunar pits from which scientists believe lava once flowed billions of years ago. And uh, – yeah, I'll stop there. That's enough. Uh, you get the idea. <laughs> Lauren, I feel like they're missing one major thing in this whole idea. Uh, is it people's desire to keep going after Earth ends? <laughs> That's <laughs> one. <laughs> Good well, call. And also, well, they mentioned Ova, but I, I feel like every um, time I saw this headline, it just was about the sperm. Yes. Right. That's why, why are they just the... sending the sperm over to totally. outer space? Like. And then what are they planning? Who's going to mix them together? Yes, I mean, need, what's the plan? I just like, who are they putting it into? Who are they These putting it into? Just, so wait, is it is with the plan that Earth is ending, and then I manage to get on a spaceship? Yep, like and I go yeah. to space, and then I'm. I do full on like IVF with like some random <laughs> embryos. Takes months. I, takes I think you put so, it in pro- so stressful. I think you First put it in a all, protein shaker like before yeah. the gym. I mean, it's hard enough for some people to get pregnant on this planet. Imagine <laughs> surviving the apocalypse and then doing all of this on the moon. It and, sounds horrible. Like, again, where are the eggs? These guys, they just want to come on the moon. That's all they want to do. Yeah. This is this is a full lunar facial. That is all these scientists want to do. This is disgusting, is disgusting. men. <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting men with like using science to mask their lurid desires. 
they're like, ooh, lava tubes. They like they want to fuck a lava tube. This is disgusting. Oh I don't stand. You for gotta it. just let the human race go yes. at a certain point. Like if it's not, yeah. if we reach the end, we reach the end. Why should we be living on the moon? By the way, has anyone been back to the moon since we first went there? I've always been wondering this. The Chinese like, have you... sent a. Uh, didn't they send a lunar module to the moon? It was a lander though. A yeah, lander. No, no yeah, to the dark side. Back. Yeah, so no we have. Sperm I thought we there, went back once no or people. twice since 1969, didn't no, we? Or God, no, 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 no. We have not been back. Humans have not been back to the moon. NASA what? has has a plan going forward to send uh, uh, some more astronauts to the moon, and especially a woman. They want to put a woman up there on the moon, as I think they should. And uh, and yeah, but yeah, yes. no. What? Six crude U.S. land crude, not crude as in what these scientists want to do, but a crew of six, you know. <sighs> Fully crude. Uh, U.S. landings between 1969 and 1972. Yeah, yeah, the, that's lunar, the Apollo the lunar missions. Landings, the Apollo yeah. missions. Oh, okay. There well, wasn't just the one. That's we what I was saying. I was like, we just been, got that one video. Yeah, yeah. we've We're been good. back, but it's been it's been since the early 70s. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. only 12 people have ever walked the face of the I mean, moon. And uh, I think the listeners will agree with me. It sounded yeah. like we. But only I, been you know, once. I kind of disagree with you. I think this is a good idea, right? Like this is this no, is human survival mechanism <laughs> in overdrive because you know we have that svalbard global seed vault that's in the arctic circle sure which is you know but so this is kind of like but that you know, makes if sense shit hits the fan what's the most important thing for the human species well you right? gotta it's have to, both to keep moving forward but bryce you gotta have both you have to have embryos you have to have like eggs and sperm up there otherwise what what are well isn't isn't ova eggs? I think they said yeah, there's yeah, ova. Yeah. Eggs. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, but, I was about but to really... I still am wondering whose sperm is this? And <laughs> did they do like, is this the best of the best? Like who's <laughs> is going up? It's you not just it's whoever not sent it in. I know. They never I mean, it's do like, that. We have like some weak sperm up there and then we have like a weak human race. And it just all sounds bad. <laughs> I take offense to that. <laughs> okay. So yours is just, up there. It turns out it's all Woody Allen sperm. Oh, no. my God. God. No, no. Disgusting. No. Yeah. Terrible timing. I watched that dog so mad. Yeah. Anyway. I watched that. Ooh. Oh, so Ooh. angry. Um, all right, everybody. Anyway. Yeah. Well, interesting uh let's see you know that's the only way that a part of me will ever make it into outer space so if uh i guess if they're taking volunteers i'll sign up because at the end of the day <laughs> i can see you on a date yeah part of me has been Do- to space <laughs> what <laughs> i made a real 180 on this one um lauren Lapkiss, come on and tell us what is your personal paranormal history were you into ghosts ufos bigfoot growing up any of the stuff loch ness monster have you had any weird shit happen to you? I have had a couple little experiences and I think I've always believed in ghosts, but been like really afraid of the concept. So I'm not really um, into opening my arms to them. You know, mm. I, w- I would try to make it known that I don't want them to visit me. Smart. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but as a child, I had a couple little experiences and one of them, I mean, I, I can, you know, I can explain things away, but one of them was, when I was little, when I was like five, my first funeral I ever went to was for my great grandpa. And I saw him in the casket. And I, you know, I, I didn't really think much about that at the time. But for many years, I thought he was in my closet. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a ghost or if that's just me remembering Whoa. the image of seeing a dead person. But in he was standing closet? up in my closet. Whoa. 
Yeah. And it always kind of freaked me out. Like if my closet was a little bit open, I'd be thinking, oh no, he's in there. I still shut my closet all the way every night before bed. Like, I don't know. Do do any of you guys do that? It's like a weird. I do do that, but I haven't connected it with this memory and now I'm going to, and I feel Mm. scared. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, grandpa, going to bed. Oh, I'm Lori. <laughs> like, I feel like he has better things to do than stand in my closet, but yeah, that's I don't wild, know. Though. Well, wait, but it was where, a did, one. where did that start? Like, how long after he died? Do you have a memory of like, oh, there he is? Like, well, you know, it's weird. Like, I feel like I didn't even think about it until I was older, and huh. I was like, oh, I always thought he was in there. Like, it was just like an image that is so clear in my head hmm. of him just standing in there. Um, oh. But a, a little more of a ghost ghost story. It's also about the same person. Um, my family, and this is this is like family lore, but I, I witnessed it, but it's just one of those things that you want to say there's no way it's true, but everyone swears up and down they didn't have a hand in this. So when I was in probably second grade, I'm trying to figure out how old I must have been because it involves a collect call. Um, (laughs) I haven't thought about those in a while (laughs) yeah so it was the 90s and our answering machine had a collect call and it said you've received a collect call from Grandpa Joe and it was very clear and it was it sounded like he was in a bar and he ran a bar so it was like there was a clinking glasses and the sound of a very gravelly voice coming through crackly saying Grandpa Joe what and that one I remember my mom and my aunt listened to it and they were screaming and freaking out and i i was like you did this you did this and they just swore up and down that they didn't do it and it i mean honestly just one of those things that we haven't really talked about in a long time i should actually check back in on that and see if anyone's willing to confess but at the time they were like they they were so adamant that it was not them and i and they used a word that we use in my family that you know implies you're telling the truth and so it was oh, there's one a of code those... word for truth in your family? <laughs> yeah. Were yeah. they all liars <laughs> all the time? Was it because just we fuck with each other. Got you, got you. Okay, fair enough. You got to have a code word and totally. then you, you know. But so, so it was like the code word was being used. And so then there's just this feeling of, okay, well, I, I have to believe you because you, we don't use the word unless, and you know, there have also, been times where. I have hmm? mad respect for you not sharing the code word with us. I don't like, want to tell you guys. Yeah. I don't want to tell you guys. And also because it's kind of one of those things that I think about as a future communication in, with a ghost, uh, AKA anyone in my family yeah. would be a sign that uh, we would, we uh, knew that it was them. So you've thought this, you've thought this through, like you've clearly, yes. even though you're scared of ghosts, you've, you've, you've spent time thinking about how the rules would work. I have. And I mean, my mom has talked about this a lot too, because she really believes in ghosts. And we've had a couple more family things. Like I, I, I don't really remember the full story, but there was like a time where my grandma, my mom, other people were around and they were talking about a certain relative and like a lamp, a lamp exploded, like a Whoa. light bulb. Whoa. And they were just like, that was her. Like, it was like, there's just, you know, there's a strong belief yeah. that it is those things. So I feel like it's in my bones to like think that it's real, but I'm also just like, I just really don't want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, well, right. we proved on this podcast ghosts are real. So. Yeah, they're real. We you have you're yeah okay. for good reason. Yeah, conclusive. Yeah, we just heard enough evidence. We're like they're real. This is a real. I feel like it has to be real. It feels it's... like it's like not believing in aliens. Like really, you really think there's no chance that that's possible? Like, come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is. I mean, now whether it's actually. 
the wandering souls of the dead or, you know, who knows, who knows, you know, maybe one day we'll go, Oh, that's what we used to call ghosts. But it's this other thing that can only be something that is just as fascinating as the souls of the dead community. You know what I mean? It's going to be something that has to do with quantum physics or parallel universes or time loops or something Mm -hmm. that is going to be just as fucking cool as if there were ghosts, you know, that, so I agree with you. Well, and then I have another experience that was with a psychic Ooh, or an real, energy healer. Real person. quick, I because you mentioned it ran in the family. Was it w- did 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 Grandpa Joe leave any other messages for people like that? No, there was never anything else like that that I know of, and okay. he didn't get to say anything besides that he was trying to call collect. <laughs> so you know, hard to know uh, what he was trying to say, but. Very crazy wow. experience. And I remember it very well. And it's this so is the same because... grandpa that was in the closet. Yes, my great grandpa. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And and then you um, never obviously got even to the part of like collecting the collect phone, accepting the collect call. Did you just hang up or? No, it went to it the answering machine. machine. So it, it was the just. Answering machine. Wow. It just had no chance. I see. That is so creepy. You get yeah. creepy. One I mean, collect call in heaven. Man. It's like prison. You only get one call. <laughs> <laughs> and he blew it. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's like, call someone else before it beeps, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, but a few years ago, I, I, well, I've always been scared of psychics. And the reason why is because my dad had an experience with a psychic um, that all, all the stuff they said basically came true over the course of a, a number of years. Oh, and wow. he was working, he, my dad's an architect. He was working in Chicago and he had hired this guy who was doing construction and working for him and the guy every single week um you know every tuesday he had a call with his psychic in texas and so he like built it into his day that he was going to talk to this person wow and one day the psychic talked about my dad and said a few different things that meant nothing to him at the time but over the years he realized all these things happened one of them was like you're going to build a series of low white buildings which is really not his style but he ended up working for a japanese company that wanted low white buildings hmm. years later so it was it was just like weird little things like that um something about an illness in the family that came to fruition later like just various things that he was kind of that were like pinging in his head like oh that psychic said these things and i always knew that because it came up every time something else happened. Like that was something the psychic said. And be also because the psychic, he wasn't calling this person. They, they just wanted to tell, Oh, he needs to hear these things. And so I thought that right. was really interesting. Yeah. And so I was kind of was freaked out about it. And then a few years ago, I decided to make a podcast about it because that's how I do everything in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a, a podcast where I was going to go see different psychics because I was like, I can't do this without it um, being sort of protected in some way. Like it felt too creepy to just go do it on my own. And I talked to my dad and like interviewed him about the experience he had. And then I went and met with three different types of psychics. I met with um, an energy reader or healer i met with a a tea leaf reader and then a tarot card reader wow that's wild it was it was really interesting and i mean the one that really sticks out to me is the energy healer because it felt so real and i really really believed that i had a a real experience with her the other two i could get into it but i also could kind of feel how it wasn't accurate you know and i think there's something too about recording it that probably made it a put like a barrier that 
mm. got in the way of me being totally vulnerable. Mm. Um, so I look back and I think like, oh, well, I wasn't exactly, you know, sharing everything like I would with this tarot card reader if I didn't think it was going to be a podcast. Do you, but, do you think that was an age thing? Do you think you would do it differently now? You know what I mean? Or is it just because it, it, it does get personal? I think I, I would do it differently now, but I also think it was like a matter of um, not like wanting to admit certain things at the time. And now I'm like, oh, I would talk about those things. But oh. at the time it was like, oh, I'm just going to avoid that topic or avoid this topic. And I feel like I've grown enough that I'm like, oh, I would pretty much talk about whatever. But hmm. um, at that time, I was a little more reserved and didn't want it to be on the podcast. So did you end up contacting or talking to the psychic that had the information for your dad? Well, no. So the the crazy thing with that is that I believe she went to jail oh, for, wow. for fraud. She didn't this see that one coming. Huh? <laughs> hey. This is what's so crazy is that, it, and, and and it might be something we can Google and figure out. Cause I, I do think it was kind of a famous thing. Cause she was this woman in Texas who was arrested okay. for uh, having so a lot of celebrities. I called got a her. search bar open right now. Do you okay. remember her name? I'll look for it right now. I don't know her name, but if you, if it's like try Texas, like psychic, psychic Texas eighties, you know, it was mm. 1980s and a lot of celebrities would call her Texas and she was like kind of just fucking with a lot of people. Arrested. All right. She didn't see it coming. Psychic arrested for $800,000 fraud. Oh, this was in New York. Okay. Then Miss Cleo came up. (laughs) Psychic gets federal prison time after swindling Houston uh woman of 1.6 million i mean i hate to tell you we got a lot of psychics going there's a lot of them here. yeah so it's quite possible this maybe wasn't that famous maybe or maybe it just got buried because there's a hundred other people like this but she later got arrested and my dad like saw that and was just like that's crazy but the stuff she told said about him all had come true so it's mm. one of those things that you know hard to know what to do with that but my experience with this energy healer was like so amazing that i truly was like buzzing from it and i was like sobbing and it was like a wild experience where she was talking to my dead grandmother kind of saying things about her that were very accurate and it just really resonated but um you know very weird to to record those things and listen back because you can kind of hear how you guide a person like that and that was something that i saw more with the tea leaf and the tarot where i was like oh i can kind of hear myself giving her clues right right but unconsciously yeah yeah what was it about so i don't think we've talked i'm trying to think i mean i'm sure energy healings come up on the show before but can you, if you don't want to get specific, that's totally fine. And I, I well, and what's the name of the podcast? Because our listeners are definitely going to want to oh, hear yeah. it. It's called Psychic Show, um, P-S-H-O-W. And it was on um, Stitcher, I think. So I think it's probably still up there. But okay. Well, if you want to hear it. They'll absolutely will. I want, I want to, too. But um, Yeah, you can hear my old self be weird. Walk us through, <laughs> walk us through what the physical sensation of an energy healing feels like. Cause you said you left buzzing. So what, what, like for those of us who haven't done it, like what did you experience personally on at least a physical level that made you go, Whoa. Yeah. It was really interesting because I've since done like some Reiki healing and other types of energy, like stone things, the crystals or whatever. And usually the person is kind of, in my experience, I've been like laying down and the person is over me, like moving their hands over my body with my eyes closed, but still it has a, it creates a sensation. It's really odd. But with this situation, I was sitting on the couch in this woman's apartment 
And I, and she was sitting in a chair, like on the other side of the room, just talking to me. And she was the first, I think initially, you know, my emotions were really like right at the surface because first I was nervous, but also she was kind of tapping into stuff pretty quickly about my grandma, just like describing her with things that you wouldn't necessarily say about everyone's grandma. Like, Oh, she's very stubborn. Mm. Like my other grandma's not like that at all. So like, it was like, Oh, this is really, if it's starting to feel like she's saying things that are just feeling really true. It sounds almost mediumistic, mediumistic as if she was a, a, an energy healer, healer as well as maybe a medium because yeah. Right. It's like, cause that's what mediums do. They speak with, you know, the dead. Um, Yeah. And then as it went on, we, we, we ended the session with this sort of, um, like, I don't know what you would call like a little exercise where I had my eyes closed and she had me like tapping on my knees and then she was counting and say, and it, truly it was just counting, but she was doing something while she was doing it. But I couldn't see because I had my eyes closed and I started sobbing and I felt like my whole body was like buzzing mm. and I was just it was just totally it overtook me i have no clue what really happened wow but then i left and like i i got in the car with my friend who i was doing like my sort of like breakdowns of the show with on recording afterwards and i was just like i that was the most real thing ever it felt so real i don't even know what i got out of it mm. but I, it was cool mm-hmm. that's wild sounds like she released some sort of energy block and it just the, the floodgates opened you know I think yeah. that's, there's something to that stuff for sure. <laughs> I love the brush. like, yeah, man, she just uh, knocked over an energy brick in your soul, <laughs> and then it all came flooding out. Hey, sounds accurate. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that I, I think that I find with this stuff in general, just in general, is like, if you got a weird result or you got like a cool experience out of it, who cares? You know what mm. I mean? Like, did yeah. you feel later? Did you look back on it when you heard yourself maybe guiding them and going, ah, shit, this this has less meaning to me now? No, you know, it's. I think you're right. Was, I still got something out of it, like with especially with the energy healer where I just felt like that was really that was really something I, I would never listen to it back now. Um, but I I because th- I like the memory of it feeling cool and it just felt felt really real. Um, with the other two, we I listen think, to the like, podcast. I, it's just you scream crying for three minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I've never listened to it. So, I, but I think it was really good. Um, <laughs> but with the other two, I think that I I was just more, um, when I like listening back, did kind of take away a little bit of the experience because, especially with the tea leaf reader, in the moment, I really loved it. And I was really um kind of blown away by what she was seeing. I thought it, I just thought it was really neat. And then later I was like, oh, I think I kind of said that. And then she later said that. And I thought she came up with that or, you know, so. It sounds like you were on a, on a journey of exploration trying to, you know, see if there's anything to this stuff, Uh, which I think, is there any truth to that? Do you think? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I still believe in it a lot. I think like, even though I had these experiences, I mean, I think there are people who are more tapped in than others. And I have a friend who I went to high school with, um, who now is reading tarot. If you actually, if anyone out there is interested, you should definitely get a reading with her. Her name is Sutton Crawford and you can Mm. find her on Instagram. Let's have her on the show. Oh my God. You should have her on. You really should. That would be great. She's fantastic. And I had a reading with her and it was it was so wonderful. And I, I, a bunch of my friends have gone to her and they've had similar experiences where it's just 
feels really spot on. It's and it's really positive, which I think a lot of people can be afraid to do these things because you're afraid you're going to get some bad news, and that's really not her yeah. approach. I love it. We should definitely have her on. You know, you should read. Uh, there's a great book by Leslie Keen. It's called Surviving Death. She's a New York Times journalist, um, wonderful writer. But she sort of went on that same sort of exploration, wondering if there was anything to, you know, survival of death of of the consciousness and mediums. And it's a, it's a great great oh, read. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, wild stuff. Um, yeah, Lauren, that's have my Ed McMahon transition. Wild stuff. Wild, wild, wild stuff. stuff. Uh, have you done, um, there's, there's, have you done like, have you ever gotten your chart read? Okay. So I haven't officially had my chart read, but we have mutual friends that have gone to this one. Oh, uh, is it, um, Heidi Heidi, Rose Robbins? Yes. Heidi Rose Robbins, who I would love to also have on the show. And I'm wondering, because I know that we have mutual friends that have done it. And -hmm. I was wondering like, Oh, I wonder if Lawrence, cause I've wanted to go, but I haven't done it yet. And then, so I want to know if you had, because I hear she's I awesome. really want to. I, I've heard, I mean, people love her so yeah. much. And like the stories, I feel like, first of all, people don't tell you the whole thing. They're always, it's always kind of like, it was amazing. And then they don't like really get into it. <laughs> but I do feel like the experiences people have had with her are like really transformative. And so I am curious about that. I, I've never done a, an actual um, reading like that, but I... My friend bought the book. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's by this woman, Chani Nichols. Mm-hmm. And it's so it kind of shows you how to read a chart, like create your own chart on your own and read it and figure out your moons and your all those things, how everything your lines houses. up. Your, yes. It's written in the stars. <laughs> and it was very accurate. I really liked it. <clears throat> um, I, I would recommend that book because if you're interested in just trying to figure it out for yourself and just dip your toe, it was... Uh, a good a good little experience and i felt like it was really accurate such a vast world isn't it we're interested in all that stuff there's so much of uh mysterious subjects that are that are worth investigating and looking into it's just it never ends it seems so where where are you with it today like where are you right now in this moment with this stuff you know on it like what do you what do you think what do you feel about this I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a little more into it in some ways in that I've, I've received a bunch of crystals as gifts because I mean, you know, just living in LA, that's like bound to happen. I got you another crystal, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to be like, what is, what is this? But I, and I don't like, you know, bathe them in the moonlight or do anything like that. Um, well, you're doing it I, wrong. So <laughs> I'll got a lunar back, charge them. Yeah. I know. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm, am I even getting anything out of them if I'm not doing that? But I have my little collection and I kind of like it. And that, that feels like a big step for me because I just used to be like, it's insane that people have crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I still like, you know, horoscopes and I, I believe that stuff to a certain extent. Um, there's this book, like the big book, book of birthdays yeah. that yes. I love. Yes. And that, yes. uh, that book feels so accurate when you click, you, when you click, it's a book, you don't click it. <laughs> <laughs> when you click to any page, um, <laughs> I feel like any of my friend's birthdays, I'm like, oh yeah, that looks, a lot of this like, speaks yeah. to who they are. But I remember there was a period. Yeah. yeah. Bryce, I feel like you might back me up on this. I feel, there was like a period 
where whenever I was like dating somebody new, I, if when anytime I was in a Barnes and Noble, because I never bought those books. Oh no, yeah, I, would, I never had it myself. You know, you would just. I just recently got it, but yeah. So <laughs> I, there's one of like the big book of relationships, mm. and you can like look up your birthday, their birthday, and oh, then it'll right. like break down all your relationship dynamics. And it's so funny because that book was always like worn bare, and so it's just like <laughs> everyone was clearly doing the same thing, just like pulling it off, pulling. The one copy off of the top shelf of the like new age section at Barnes and Nobles of the Grove. Um, <laughs> but but I always found like I was like, this thing always is right. It always yeah. and there's like one where they're like, it'll break it down to like your relationship is best for work and worst for like marriage or you know, that kind of a th- thing. Yeah. Where it'd be like, oh, you guys cool. are great at love. You're not so good at friendship or that kind of stuff, you know, which is sort of you might go, well, that doesn't add up. And you're like, no, it does, because we, you know, we don't get along, but we're very lusty. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like I would find like, oh, this is this kind of always always seemed to track every time I checked it. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while since I've had to look at that book, let me tell you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So stuff like that interests me. And I mean, I, I'm i like, you know, into um, telling ghosts to go away. I feel like that's something I really believe in. Like, you're yep. you're free to leave. It's fine. We don't need you here. And yeah. um, I, whenever I've done that, if I felt like there was something kind of weird, it feels like it goes away. And I don't know if it's, you know, in my head, but. No, we've heard that uh, time and time again, whether it's the Loch Ness monster or shadow people by the power, Jesus, get out of here. (laughs) And they do. They usually do. That's cool. Have you thought about flirted with like, okay, tonight I'm going to brew a pot of coffee. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to light some candles. And if I'm just going to like welcome the ghosts. No fucking way. (laughs) What? No. Why not? No fucking way. That's my nightmare. And I don't, I don't like anything like that. That's the thing. Like I even just going to like the haunted maze or whatever, like all that stuff where I know it's We all have to face the haunted maze one day. (laughs) So you don't follow Ouija boards or anything like that. I don't know. No, I don't. Hell no. I really don't want to invite that stuff without having any control. And I. I, I I like hate anything scary in that way where like going to like any sort of like, you know, scary Halloween thing freaks me out. And I recently watched that um, documentary about that hotel in L.A. Where that oh, was. the Cecil, Cecil. Hotel. That yeah, and that really scared up. me. And there was like my friend was laughing at me because I got really terrified by the goth musician. They were just like showing like pieces of him like with strobe lights on him. And I was like, honestly, so scared. I turned on all the lights. And so I just don't think I have room for like a real ghost to Got enter it. the picture. Okay. Your shadow side is like a goth girl who with strobes. <laughs> like, I need to embrace my shadow goth girl. You know? I There's can't imagine. So no. much for facing your fears. But hey, you know, yeah, we no, all I'm have good. our limits. I get it. Yeah, I respect I, that. I, I do know. too. I really do. All right, Lauren. Well, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests. I teased it before. It's uh, I'm going to go down a list of phenomena. If you're open to it, you'll say, believe it. Even if you're not fully in, nah, even if you don't fully believe it, just say, believe it. If you're not okay. open to it, you say, bullshit. And if you're somewhere in between, you still got to pick one side or the other. Now, okay. we, can, we can circle back. If there's any that really go, oh, I want to talk about that a little bit more, we can come back. Uh, but otherwise, it's rapid fire. This is a Great. game that we like to call bullshit or believe it. 
Lauren Lapkus. On your mark, get set. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Shadow people. Uh, believe it. Unicorns. Bullshit. Alien abductions. Believe it. Yeti. Bullshit. Mothman. Bullshit. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Tarot cards. Believe it. Demonically possessed dolls. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> the healing power of crystals. Believe it. An alien spacecraft crashed at Roswell. Uh, believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Haunted houses. Believe it. Skunk ape. Skunking? Skunk ape. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> so close to unlocking a so secret close. game. So close to unlocking a secret game. But I think we have to move on. Move on. Jersey yeah. devil. Yeah, uh, bullshit. The biblical devil. Bullshit. Speaking to the dead. Believe it. Mermaids. Bullshit. The government is hiding the truth about Sasquatch. Bullshit. Past lives. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Oh, you nailed it. Well done. Oh, my God. Well what would, was I supposed to say, like, skunk whatever five times and then no, if, <laughs> yeah. no. if, if you were had to have said uh, what is a skunk ape yeah that what is that a terrifying game for me to try and convince you of something that would yeah not have yeah yeah oh okay <laughs> so, I mean, you did good if, if you said what's that you would have unlocked it but you're fine i think i could picture it and i don't yeah. believe it's real it's, florida's <laughs> bigfoot. it's basically okay, florida's great. bigfoot it's florida's bigfoot an old lady took a picture of one and you know you get Bryce is fascinated oh by it. i don't really believe in any of those sort of creature things yeah you're That's... more of an alien ufo girl i dig yeah. that it's cool this is what I want to propose to you because you're in uh, this sounded like I was taunting you, but I was like, because you're so open-minded. What if we told you that Bigfoot skunk ape, maybe Yeti, maybe they're just like another weird supernatural entity, like a ghost. Mm. Maybe I mean, they're a nature spirit. Maybe there's something passing in and out of this dimension that just kind of looks like a hairy ape, but really isn't. I mean, I guess I could believe that. Um, I don't believe that it's like something that evolved and is there or that it's like a magical creature. Right. right. I, I, I just feel like, I guess, I, I guess the idea of it being like a nature ghost is kind of interesting because yes. it's like people see it when they're camping or something mm -hmm. and it just like mm -hmm. goes by and it's weird. I guess maybe I believe it now. Great. <laughs> Great. Great. We'll, we'll, take, we'll stop there. You made them so there. happy. I you have no knew idea. it. All right. Anything else jump out at you before we move on on this list that you're like, I got to circle um, back? There were some that I didn't know what it was, but That's, now I can't think of what they were. What a professional because you're just like, it sounds like bullshit. It's bullshit to me. Like shadow <laughs> yeah, people, shadow people. I wasn't sure what that is exactly. Shadow people are those like, so some people claim to see like, they wake up in the middle of the night and they're literally like three dimensional entities made out of shadow. No, moving no, around no. The it's room. not good. I don't like <laughs> that Sometimes at all. wearing like a hat. Like no, stop, oddly, stop, like stop. A fedora. I, can't, I can't 
can't hear more about this. Okay. I can't. This I'll is like, send you a link. I'll send no you a thanks. link. I'll send I'm you some good. videos. I'm never can... clicking on anything you <laughs> send me. Okay, sounds good. Great. There's a movie called The Nightmare that I want you to watch on Netflix. I absolutely you'll, will not you'll, watch you'll that. Appreciate it. it sounds um, like Slender Man, and I don't like that. It is sort of Slender Man territory in a way. No. It is, although people claim that they see them standing over their bed when they wake up. Shut the, the fuck up right. now. Okay. Stop. Right. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, we're back with this week's guest, Lauren Lapkus. What a delight it's been so far. And listen, Lauren, I'm just giving you a heads up. This is when things either really take off or take a turn for the worse. <laughs> okay, oh, don't put it like that. <laughs> I'm just Michael's, saying. Michael's scared because he doesn't know what, what story I I'm don't doing. know what's coming up. Listen, l- a little behind the scenes. You're from Chicago. Yes. I had said to 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 my dear co-host Bryce, Lawrence from Chicago. We should do the Chicago Mothman. We've never done a full story on the Chicago Mothman. Have you heard of the Chicago Mothman? I have not. That was another one I didn't know. So Mothman, he Mothman was an entity in West Virginia in the late 60s. Showed up around December of 1967, I think. Is that correct, Bryce? Am I getting yeah. that time right? Yep. Basically, people saw this. Remember when I told you about shadow people? So, uh, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so it was sort of like that, but like in the shape of a large winged creature with bright oh. red eyes. Oh, no. And it started showing up in this town, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it led up, all these people saw this, had these strange encounters. Some people thought it was from another dimension or came out of this old TNT factory. And then uh, on the weeks, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, the silver bridge collapsed and like 65 people died in the river as their cars sank. Um, and so they made people, a movie about it with Richard Gere. They did called, called the, the Mothman, Mothman Prophecies, Prophecies, based on based oh, on a book okay, by I've John Keel, the guy who investigated this at the time. So it's been like this 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 creature of ill portents. People thought it was like a bad omen, but lately, 
there's this entity that sounds a lot like the Mothman that's been seen in and around the Chicago area. So Mm -hmm. it's weird because you're getting like this urban setting where this like human sized winged creatures flying around. And I mean, well, I don't even know what to think. I know it's wild. So people are have are like, who are they reporting this to? Well, the news has picked it up. Vice magazines picked it up. Um, but there's there is like I forget the guy's name. There is one guy who is literally recording all of these sightings in like a database on a on a, on a website and just like putting pins on the map of where people are seeing stuff. Wow. And then there was a book. There's a book that's just come out recently called The Lake Michigan Mothman that I think covers a lot of this stuff. Now the name of the of the I might as well Google it of the author escapes me. Um, but it's, it's sort of like a modern day weird, uh, cryptid. Ooh. Well, she doesn't care about that. No, I mean, I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got something better for you. Okay. Well, I I was saying, and then he said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, when somebody tells me me what to do, Lauren, I go the other way. I love that. It's just a natural instinct. (laughs) I try. And you know, loves Mothman. I do love Mothman. This story is not so much paranormal as it is esoteric and even occult. But Lauren, what if I told you that the greatest playwright ever known, William Shakespeare, did not write the plays and sonnets that bear his name, but rather served as a frontman for a secretive underground group known only as the Rosicrucians, whose sole mission was to spread knowledge and enlightenment across the world for the betterment of all mankind. What if I told you that behind that secret society was a man who was blessed with not only a bold vision for a new world, but the wherewithal to achieve it, a man by the name of Sir Francis Bacon? Have you heard of any of these people, Francis Bacon, the Rosicrucians? I feel like I've heard of Francis Bacon, but I don't know why. Okay. And I have heard the theory of... Shakespeare not being the only person who actually wrote, but I don't know about this Rosicrucians thing. Okay. Okay. Great. Wow. You're going to love it. I just want to say you drove to Lake Michigan and then you took a hard left Bryce. I applaud you. (laughs) I don't even know how you segued into this, but is the strange and secretive tale of Shakespeare, the straw man. Although at first Blanche accusations such as these may sound shocking, even inflammatory. However, the story I'm about to tell you is nothing new for the truth seeker. For centuries, scholars and literary detectives alike have argued over the true authorship of what is likely to be considered the greatest literary works ever produced. And while the suspects are many, one man stands alone. That man is Sir Francis Bacon, philosopher, scientist, erudite, and statesman who served as Attorney General and Lord Chancellor of England He's largely credited as developing the scientific method, as well as being called the father of empiricism. He argued for the possibility of scientific knowledge based only upon inductive reasoning and careful observation of events in nature. The theory that Francis Bacon was and is the true author of the plays and sonnets attributed to Shakespeare was first brought forth in the mid-19th century. Based on key similarities between philosophical ideas found in Bacon's own writings and within the works of Shakespeare. Later, proponents of the Baconian theory, as they call it, claim to have found legal and autobiographical evidence, as well as hard-to-deny cryptographic ciphers and codes hidden within the plays and poems. Codes that even some say lead to a vast treasure 
where ancient religious artifacts can be found, along with Shakespeare's original manuscripts. Of course, nearly all academic Shakespearean scholars, except for a few, reject the arguments for Baconian authorship, as well as any other alternative authors. And I get it. A sentimental world is reluctant to give up its heroes. But to that I say, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Perhaps even more shocking than Bacon writing Shakespeare was the scandalous twist that came about in the writings of Orville Ward Owen's book, Sir Francis Bacon's Cipher Story, in which he claimed to have discovered a secret history of the Elizabethan era hidden in cipher form in Bacon and Shakespeare's works. The most remarkable revelation was that Bacon might very well be the son of Queen Elizabeth. According to Owen, it is revealed that Elizabeth and Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester, were both imprisoned in the Tower of London under suspicion of treason for planning to secure the throne to the Protestant succession. While there, they fell in love and were married in secret. Their forbidden affair produced a son, one Francis Bacon, who by birthright was the true heir to the throne of England, but for various political reasons was excluded from his rightful place and his parentage was kept secret. Francis was given to be raised by foster parents, Sir Nicholas Bacon and his wife, Lady Anne, both of whom were extremely well-educated. Elizabeth, burdened by guilt, vowed to make it right by offering him more than he could ever receive by way of the throne. She offered him scholarship, self-determination, and the chance to think and act for himself, essentially freeing him from the shackles of monarchical duty and ultimately fostering him to harness the role of spiritual redeemer of England, in private, of course. At the age of 12, Francis attended Trinity College, Cambridge, and it is here that Queen Elizabeth I was said to have secretly acknowledged him as her son and instructed him to never use his real identity. In David Allen Rivera's book, Mystery at Colonial Williamsburg, The Truth of Bruton Vault, it's revealed that when Francis was 16 years old, he was sent to Paris with the English ambassador, Sir Amias Paulette, on the large ship known as the Dreadnought, to study Egyptian, Arabian, Indian, and Greek philosophy, philosophy, with particular attention given to the ancient mysteries and their ritual rites. It was here Bacon learned how ciphers were used secretly in diplomatic affairs and personally developed his own secret cipher that could be inserted into documents without arousing suspicion. Whilst living in Europe to further his advancement, it is rumored that Francis Bacon was initiated into the mysterious order of the Knights Templar. Upon arriving home, Elizabeth offered a tutelage like no other, securing a mentorship for Francis with her own personal spiritual and political advisor, none other than John Dee himself, a polymath of gargantuan proportion. Dee would instruct Bacon on everything he knew, including astrology, mathematics, geography, architecture, language, affairs of the high courts, occult philosophy, along with alchemy and the ancient mysteries. Dee even instructed Bacon in the art of espionage, for which Dee was known as the original 007, his numerical code with which he corresponded in secret with the Queen. At the helm of his life, Francis Bacon was not only an abled barrister, but also a polished courtier who possessed an intimate knowledge of parliamentary law and etiquette of the royal courts that are often deftly revealed in the Shakespearean plays. An insider's knowledge so subtle and precise 
that it's almost inconceivable to believe that it could have been acquired by a humble farm boy from Stratford who never once traveled outside of England. And more than just the inner workings of backroom politics was the unbridled knowledge and experience conveyed on the stage. The libraries alone amassed by Sir Francis Bacon and his mentor John Dee rivaled all of England's and even the world's at that time and contained the very volumes necessary to supply the quotations and anecdotes written into the Shakespearean plays. But perhaps some of the most damning evidence that Francis was the author was Bacon's own personal journal, Promus, housed in the British Library, never published. It reveals hundreds of classic Shakespearean quotes long before they were ever published or appeared in the plays. No doubt evidence that Bacon used this personal notebook as a glossary of terms and expressions with which he could use in his plays. For Baconians, his journal clearly indicates that Bacon not only thought like Shakespeare, but wrote like Shakespeare as well. And it was not just poetry that Bacon had come to master, but philosophy, thoughts and ideas that reverberated deep within the soul of the reader and rang so true to the heart that it could not help but to lift and elucidate its audience, a feat that still holds true to this day. It was as if Bacon created an alchemical process of turning base words into gold, a philosopher's stone of the theater. The Shakespearean plays and sonnets directly demonstrate their author to have been thoroughly familiar with certain doctrines and tenets of Rosicrucianism, stamping its creator as one of the true enlightened individuals of the ages, someone who had a deep understanding of the mysteries of life. Who but a Platonist, a Kabbalist, and a Pythagorean could have written The Tempest, <laughs> Macbeth, Hamlet, and Midsummer's Night Dream? In his esoteric masterpiece, Secret Teachings of All Ages, Manly Palmer Hall writes of Bacon, father of modern science, remodeler of modern law, editor of the modern Bible, patron of modern democracy, and one of the founders of modern Freemasonry. Sir Francis Bacon was a man of many aims and purposes. He was a Rosicrucian. Some have intimated the Rosicrucian, if not actually the illustrious Father CRC referred to in the Rosicrucian manifestos. He was certainly a high initiate of the Rosicrucian order, and it is his activities in connection with the secret body that are of prime importance to students of symbolism, philosophy, and literature. Scores of volumes have been written to establish Sir Francis Bacon as the real author of the plays and sonnets popular, popularly ascribed to William Shakespeare. An impartial consideration of these documents cannot but convince the open-minded of the verisimilitude of the Baconian theory. In fact, those enthusiasts who for years have struggled to identify Sir Francis Bacon as the true Bard of Avon might long have since won their case had they emphasized its most important angle, namely that Sir Francis Bacon, the Rosicrucian initiate, wrote into the Shakespearean plays the secret teachings of the fraternity of R.C. and the true rituals of the Freemasonic order, of which order it may yet be discovered that he was the actual founder. Now that we have learned a little bit about who Francis Bacon was, let us examine who William Shakespeare was not. For starters... I would argue that William simply did not possess the necessary literary culture. The town of Stratford, where he was raised, contained no school capable of imparting the higher forms of learning reflected in the writings ascribed to him. His parents were both illiterate, 
and it is written that in his early life he showed a total disregard for study. There's only six known examples of Shakespeare's handwriting. All are signatures, and three of them are in his will. According to Manley Hall, quote, the scrawling and uncertain method of their execution stamps Shakespeare as unfamiliar with the use of a pen, and it is obvious that he copied a signature prepared for him or that his hand was guided while he wrote. Listen, I know a lot of famous actors and personalities that the only thing they know how to do is sign their autograph. So, <laughs> <laughs> No original manuscripts of Shakespeare's plays or sonnets have ever been recovered. A well-stocked library would be absolutely essential to an author whose literary productions demonstrate him to be familiar with the literature of all ages. Yet there is no record that Shakespeare ever possessed a library, nor does he make any mention of his books in his will. Another point of fact that critics often overlook is that Shakespeare's own daughter, Judith, who at the age of 27 was all but illiterate and could only scribble her name. To be the greatest writer to have ever lived and allow his own daughter to reach womanhood and marry without being able to read one line of the writings he wrote strains the limit case for credulity. And just where did Shakespeare secure his knowledge of French, Italian, Spanish, and Danish to say nothing of classical Latin and Greek? Ben Johnson, who knew Shakespeare intimately, declared that the Stratford actor understood small Latin and even less Greek. There's also the troubling fact that Shakespeare nor his heirs made any attempt during their lifetime to secure remuneration from the plays bearing his name, many of which were published anonymously. Had Shakespeare been the true author, his manuscripts and unpublished plays most certainly would have constituted his most valued possessions, yet his will mentions neither, but instead puts a special emphasis on his favorite broad silver gilt bowl. And even more absurd might be the fact that his supposed zenith of his literary career, he was mostly engaged at that time with buying malt, presumably for a brewing business. Also, picture the immortal Shakespeare, the reputed author of The Merchant of Venice, as a small-time moneylender. Yet among those against whom Shakespeare brought action to collect petty sums was a fellow townsman, one Philip Rogers, whom he sued for an unpaid loan of two shillings, or about 50 cents. In short, there's nothing known in the life of Shakespeare that would justify the literary excellence imputed to him. I argue that William Shakespeare could not, unaided, have produced the immortal writings bearing his name but however voluntarily entered into a partnership with Francis Bacon and the Brotherhood of the Rose Cross, an agreement in which he was handsomely paid, promised fame, and sworn to secrecy. It might even be worth considering that Shakespeare was also a member of this secret society, where oaths are taken with deadly seriousness. Shakespeare was no longer a person, but a project, a project to disseminate knowledge, Knowledge that could no longer be confined to a small elite who would use it to subjugate its common people. Even Ben Jonson, who was Shakespeare's castmate, wrote of Francis Bacon, I have been induced to think that if there were a beam of knowledge derived from God upon any man in these modern times, it was upon him. For though he was a great reader of books, yet he had not his knowledge from books, but from some grounds and notions from within himself." And according to Manley Hall, who better than Bacon himself to accomplish such idealistic goals as universal knowledge and universal democracy at a time when only 5% of England's population could read or write. 
In Bacon's book, The Advancement of Learning, Bacon describes the theater when used in the correct way as being a perfect instrument for educational purposes. They disseminate knowledge, spread language, and promote morals. And Bacon's dream didn't end there. He long held a fantastic vision of a time, and more importantly, a place, where men and women could share and express truths freely, practice their religions, and worship as they saw fit. A place free from persecution, whether from the church or state. A new world, where education, democracy, generosity, and enlightenment were valued above all else. A world in which Bacon wrote about intricately in his book titled, The New Atlantis, a work unfinished. And perhaps Francis already knew of such a place, through his connection to the Order of the Knights Templars, who with their vast sailing fleet fled from persecution themselves and were rumored to have discovered the New World long before their fraternal brother Christopher Columbus did, who, by the way, also sailed under the Red Templar Cross. For as history well knows, it was the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons who played an integral part in the stirrings of the French Revolution, as well as the founding of the New World and the American Revolution that followed. It was these enlightened men of action who founded our country, signed our Declaration of Independence, wrote our Constitution, and became our very first presidents. And in doing so, crystallized a long-held alchemical dream of that new Atlantis that shines like a beacon on a hill for all the world to see. Francis Bacon saw that world not as it was, but for how it could be. A man who sought not fame and celebrity, but knowledge, sweet, everlasting knowledge, and not just for himself and the aristocrats in which he served, but for every man and woman and child on the planet. And sure, it would have been nice to have been known as the greatest literary writer of all time. But as a great man once said, discretion is the better part of valor. And that's it. Atlantis. Bullshit. (laughs) New New Atlantis. Believe it. So, so the, so the, the, the highest strangest aspect aspect being that like the, there was secret, there was a secret society imparting hidden knowledge in these plays. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I mean, there, paranormal is probably not the word for this story of high strangeness, but if you look into the Rosicrucianism, the Rosicrucianist movement, this sort of allegorical founder, Father R.C. Rosencruz, has said to have like traveled to Orient in search for knowledge. And one part I love is he came to this town called Fez, where he learned uh, from the elementals of nature the secret workings of the universe at a subatomic level or some shit like that. So it does get <laughs> a little strange. But but yes, the idea here is that, you know, this was uh, – Shakespeare might not have even existed as a person, but more of a project that came to be. That makes a lot of sense. It does. You know, it's there's so for some visual aspect, if you have a search bar next to you, go to that famous picture of of Shakespeare um, in his first some Dan Brown shit, by the way. (laughs) Listen, this is the real Dan Brown stuff. Absolutely. But there's that Shakespeare portrait that's in his first, uh, first folio. Mm -hmm. And if you'll see, if you guys are looking at it, uh, it's in black and white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But do you see that strange face in the line? For our listeners, if you from... just Google first folio, it should pop up and put in yeah. images of Shakespeare's And do you see that folio? strange face from the top of his head down to his chin? It looks you as mean almost his face? as if <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, but do you see that shadow where it looks like a mask? Some have said this. Oh, oh yes, with yeah, that yeah, line yeah. around There's the chin. Some have oh. said that the Drozhout portrait of Shakespeare is actually Francis Bacon's death mask, and his right oh. shoulder is backwards, and his left shoulder is forward. And there's an acrostic and a cipher on this um, that when you add the letters and the last part of London, it spells out F Bacon. Um, but very interesting stuff. There- there's a sonnet, and I can't remember. I think it's a sonnet where if you like count out like a certain number of letters, and something shows up where it's like "I am the learned pig." You know, there's codes like yeah. that. Learned pig being Francis Bacon. Yeah, I don't know, Lauren. Did you do Shakespeare growing up at all? Were you? Um, I auditioned for every Shakespeare play at my school and never got into any what? of them. Oh, wow. It's not my strong suit. By but the I... way, <laughs> perfect Helena in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Well, uh, tell fucking... that to my teachers. <laughs> um, yeah, crushed it in multiple roles. Come on. I did study Shakespeare in college. I was an English major. Oh, wow. Um, perfect. So this is the perfect story for you. Yes. And I, I, I mean, I find this interesting. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, for it to be more than one person. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, But, you know, hearing this description of like, if you look in the picture, there's this and this, this and this. It's like it definitely starts to sound like a conspiracy theory that and I a lot of times don't really get on board with conspiracy yeah. theories. Well, it, it is exactly that. Is it, it is a conspiracy because it is more than one man plotting um, to attempt something. And so that's exactly what it is. But it's a theory that can be relatively pointed out, especially when you start to uncode some of those cryptograms and ciphers. There, There is one of my most favorite documentaries of all time. It's about this organist in Norway. His name is Peter Amundsen. And he put out a document series on Norwegian public television called The Sweet Swan of Avon. And I'll include the links uh, in our show notes. But I highly recommend this documentary because he uncovers these codes in real time and walks you through every one. And you cannot help but to go, holy shit. More than that, he finds a map that leads to a treasure which might contain um, religious most religions most sacred artifacts, including the Holy Grail, the Ark Damn of the Covenant, around. and and that all points to an island off of Nova Scotia called Oak Island. <laughs> it's all good. All, all roads lead yes, back to Oak yes. Island. Yes. Yeah, all roads lead wow. back to Oak Island. But anyway, I highly recommend watching that documentary because it'll. He'll point out those codes and ciphers directly to you. It's it's a fascinating. I mean, watch. that's interesting. I feel like that Cecil Hotel thing had a lot of stuff like that, where I was like, you know, people can really go down these wormholes where they're seeing all these things, and then with that case, I mean, not to spoil it for anyone, skip fifteen seconds if you don't want to hear. We've but like- done we've done a story <laughs> of high strangeness on Elisa Lamb and the Cecil oh, Hotel, okay, okay, so they should okay, be brought cool. up to speed. So just the the fact that, you know, there are kind of clear answers for why each thing happened and why mm. each thing appears the way it does in the video and why it's edited the way it is and whatever, you know, all the things everyone was reading into, which I was on board with, like the whole way. I'm like, oh, my God, even just like the Elisa Lamb mm-hmm. uh, or 
the Lamelise um, disease or whatever it was that was going around at the time. There was like a strain of something that was happening. Um, right, can, right, right. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But like so it many weird things like that it. that you're like, yeah. I can't. Uh, of course, that seems like it must have something to do with it. And then it has nothing to do with it. And it's just a weird coincidence. So well, what if I told you this, <laughs> Lauren? <laughs> That Polonius, the famous character from Hamlet, could have been based on William Cecil, Lord Burley, who was also one of the heads of Queen Elizabeth's Secret Services. And that another man by the name of Edward de Vere, Earl of Oxford, is also considered to be one of the true identities of Shakespeare. Mm. So the Hotel Cecil... Wild links back to this. Um, wow, that's why that was, I've always <laughs> that was really crazy, dude. <laughs> that's that's why I've always heard as like my Shakespeare teacher from Interlock and where I went to high school. Um, he's written a book on Shakespeare, performing Shakespeare. He was always like, It's the Earl of Oxford, it's this guy, Edward de Vere, right? Mm, and mm. there's another great um documentary by Derek Jacobi. And, uh, and um, Mark Rylance called "Nothing Is Truer Than the Truth" that came out in t- 2019, and it all it all backs up what Bryce is saying. But they're basically saying it's the Earl of Oxford. You know, it's mm. this other guy who was educated, who did, who had you know knowledge of the courts and knowledge of all this stuff. And back then, it was basically like you didn't want to. If you were a noble dude, you didn't want. No, you didn't to want do your, poetry. Like, yeah, you don't want to be writing upon. poetry in place because it's like it was beneath. Well, it would you. harm your political career for exactly. One. And um, but I think that the I think it's possible that it could be bits and pieces of all of this. You know that Shakespeare's more than it's a collective. It's a writer's room. Francis Absolutely. Bacon's maybe there. Uh, Edward de Vere's there. Yep. Um, perhaps Christopher Marlowe's there. Yep. And they Absolutely. use the real guy, William Shakespeare, or Shakespeare, who was from Stratford-upon-Avon, as sort of the face yeah. for the writer's room. And he was an actor. And, you know, he did, I think, was part of the company and would perform. So there was a real dude, but he wasn't the guy behind it all. Because, as Bryce pointed out, you know, he's he's uneducated from... <laughs> But it's it's one of those things that also I had, a, I had a teacher in college who would go, sometimes I think, you know, he would say, I think God just goes, you, you know, and I do think that genius can happen to anybody. But as we, you know, as we learn, you know, it takes a social structure to be able to allow for the education to let that genius come out sometimes, you know, yeah, especially 100%. in this era where most 100%. people couldn't even read or write. So, yeah. I don't know. It's wild stuff. I mean, I'm not. I'm not shut. I'm by no means closed off to the idea that like Shakespeare. Well, of course not. I just deal. wanted to open up people to the idea that the next time they hear Shakespeare, they might they might think of something else. You know what I mean? Or that it might send them to the internet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that might... happens to me when I hear and watch and think about Shakespeare. I just start going on Instagram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> don't I wish there was like. I wish there was like, what if we found out like all these Marvel movies had like some real like esoteric meaning in them? You know what I mean? I wish there was like a writer's room now of geniuses that are like basically like writing all this cool secret secret stuff you know what i mean it would be really fun if geniuses were spending their time writing marvel movies (laughs) (laughs) 
God, I would kill. Just like I'm putting in some secret stuff here. Someone will figure this out later. There's going to be a map to the gauntlet in this, in yeah. this script. Every third word that Thanos has, um, tells you about the new Messiah. Yeah, I mean, it is It is one of those things where it's like, okay, well, what were the Rosa Cruz? I guess the thing that I always fall down on with this stuff, and this isn't picking on the story by any means, but this is where like like what what were the rosicrucians trying to say were they trying what what was their end game here what were they trying to teach us universal education universal democracy they used the the theater as as a pundit to deliver messages about uh the monarchy messages about you know ideas that that have come from around the world you know what i mean so when people assembled at a theater, it was it could really be used as a as a political assembly. That was the only time right. that the commoners could get together and and you know and they hear were just sixteenth century speech. Bernie. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah in a sense, you know. But it, it it and it was more than that. It was it was a way to um, you know just deliver what these society societies have always wanted to deliver which is just you know knowledge these universal truths equality these subconscious truths i mean even you said it one time didn't you michael that it was through like reading shakespeare that you had some sort of a a moment or something unlocked within you you know i did indeed but now you're telling me that was all francis bacon that was all francis bacon but um yeah i don't know thank you frankie yeah um uh uh, Lauren, any final thoughts on all this hidden knowledge, secrets of the um, universe? I think it's interesting. That's about all I really have. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea of it. I think maybe some of you guys who have been in the school of UCB uh, all these years, maybe you guys put together a collection of sketches that unlock, you know, uh, the reality of, hey, the, of, like that. of the, that we're living in. Like maybe I've been working on that for a okay, while. Good. Good. I just need more wigs. So I am. Gonna... Okay. We can, we can help. We can hook you up. We know a very rich <laughs> Earl who has a, has a wig factory that we can, <laughs> is very into this and is looking to patronize somebody. Complete your wig cipher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Brown Bob. Oh. Man, that, that means yeah. equality for all. Yes, well, if yes. you ever get an inkling, Lauren, check out that documentary, Sweet Swan of Avon. We'll put the links in the show notes. And yeah, you I need can to watch Go down that. the rabbit hole. Yeah, we'll yeah. put all this stuff in there. Uh, Lauren Lapkus, thank you so much for joining us this week on Bigfoot Collectors Club. Where can people find you and your uh, work? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Lapkus. And I have podcasts, Freedom uh, with Scott Ackerman and Paul F. Tompkins. Love it. And Newcomers with Nicole Byer, our third season. We wa- we watched all of Star Wars for our first season with, for the first time. We watched all of Lord of the Rings for the first time for our second season. Love it, love and it. And now that we're doing all of Tyler Perry's movies. Well, <laughs> so good. Look, so I'm gonna good. Pitch, I'm going to pitch real hard here. You're going to have to circle back to some of this new Star Wars content that's coming out in the next couple Michael's years. Michael's your guy. I, what, Michael, I did all the work for Star Wars. No, I know it all. No, I don't know if so I can do this. There's so much more to do. There's, there's the Rogue One this. movie coming out. There's Ahsoka coming out on Disney+. Plus. There's Andor coming out on Disney+. Plus. I'm I mean, just saying. She's on to season some, three, Michael. I'm just, I mean, maybe do some bonus now. episodes or something and put on the Patreon. Lauren. I have a Patreon. You know, Great. you can follow that. Um, Please and let I'm me on... talk about Star Wars with you. Please. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, if we do, have, if we do more, I have a shelf full of Star Wars action figures. I know everything. I watched every guest come and go, <laughs> and I think sad. these guys are great. I could, I could, I could 
like run laps around everybody who's been on the show so far. That's good saying. to know. Okay, if we do a bonus Star Wars episode, we will have you on. Um, and I'm you could even just on... tell him you're recording and just you know, <laughs> yeah, just give right. Him a just call. just talk right I now and we'll just it. throw him a bone. You know? <laughs> I just want to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> oh, um, my last plug is that I'm recurring on Good Girls right now on NBC, which yes! is a really fun show. So Amazing. check it out and getting a, a test at NBC Universal every morning. <laughs> which yes, is that's where I, I saw you. Ran yes. into you. <laughs> Yes. Which is great. I'm glad everyone's being safe. It's also I know it's so kind wild. of nice to get that yes. wow. information. Thank That's you for great. coming on the show and congratulations on all your success. You're just so wonderful. Thank you. Uh yeah, and I I did just watch finally watched uh the the real mi- or the the wrong Missy uh which you were so good yeah. in. I'm sure you Thank keep hearing you. this, but if you guys haven't watched it on Netflix yet, uh like me, foolishly, check it out. It's so good and you're working with so many I mean, it's just like, you know, this is a different podcast, but just being able to like work with somebody, um, you know, that I feel like has been in the comedy world for so long. Oh, yeah. You know, is, David is pretty, Spade, huge wild. Uh, comedy hero for me. So it was really, really fun. Great That's time. Movies so cool. Ridiculous and crazy. If you want something just to you know, let loose and laugh and maybe get stoned and watch. That's the yes, perfect movie for you out there. Do so it. watch and it. And Lauren does it. She gives you all the broad comedy and then brings you all the heart in one <laughs> role. What a great fucking, what a, what a, what a, what a great range of, a Thank you, you know, that you, you have. So congratulations. Thank all right. You. Uh, you can follow us at Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram, uh, Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'm at McMills on Instagram. Bryce is Bryce. O Johnson or Mr. Yeah, Bryce Johnson? I screwed up with those handles a long time ago. But That's it's fine. At, <laughs> at Mr. Bryce Johnson on Instagram and at Bryce O. Johnson on Twitter. Fair enough. And of course, <laughs> Riley's Peace Drone on Instagram. We tag him on everything on Twitter. He's not there. He's really not there. Uh, so, but we'll 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 include him in keep, every keep tag. Keep doing it though. Maybe yeah. one of these yeah. days I'll open it up. Yeah, yeah fair here's, enough. Here's, Here's a quick plug. To learn more about the incredible and mystical John D. as mentioned earlier in this story, listen to episode 74 of the Bigfoot Collectors Club, Enochian Magic of John D. with Donna Lynn Champlain. That's great. Donna Lynn Champlain, lover. All right, everybody. Thanks again to Lauren. We'll be back next week. Until then, good night. Go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. 
Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.